Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Thanks for joining us today. It's Sunday, November 22nd already. Uh, we're in pre-Thanksgiving mode here at Satellite Sisters. So, so that's going to be the basis of the show today. Joining me from South Pasadena is Sheila Dolan. Sheila, you have your turkey in yet? No, no turkey. I haven't even unpacked my suitcase from Minnesota. So we need to talk about that. All right. We will be talking about your your hit trip to Minnesota. Monica Dolan is here from Portland, Oregon. Monica, I'm going to be seeing you tomorrow. Very excited. Exciting, Liam. And then bring a raincoat. Bring a raincoat? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's always good advice in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then that voice is Liz Dolan. Liz, you're joining us from the base of Mount Shasta. That's so romantic, Liz. Who are you there with? You know, I'm here with my boyfriend, Ferris. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is our favorite luxury resort here, the Best Western Treehouse. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the dog-friendliest Best Western uh, on the I-5. So I am driving up to Bandora again. Uh, as soon as we finish here this morning, we'll jump back in the car and we will be there by lunchtime. But we drove all day yesterday from Santa Monica to, uh, to Mount Shasta. One really funny thing, I mean, this time of year, especially in an El Nino year where, so I was a little bit worried about uh, about the possibility of snow. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. I put, I put the snow tires on my car. So you feel like a total idiot in Santa Monica driving <laughs> with snow tires on your car. And then the whole trip yesterday, it was 72 and sunny. I know. It was just, it could not have been a more gorgeous day. Really. Even when we got out of the car <laughs> at 6 PM here at the peak of Mount Shasta, it was like 50 and gorgeous like not a cloud in the sky it was like, I went to a, snow tires I went to a holiday boutique yesterday it was 86 degrees like <laughs> outside heart walk people were sweating trying to buy Christmas ornaments and people are still dressed up in their sweaters you know like they're not having it that it's 85 well they're gonna wear them no matter what Liz you never know you know maybe on the way back you should tell yeah. people that is a rough pass I mean that's at like 8500 yes. feet there's a lot of snow up there it can be rough if it's snowing So you did the right thing. Your mother would be proud of you. (laughs) All right. We do have a full show today. We're going to get the highlights from Minnesota. Sheila has prepared a to-do list for what we're supposed to do for a big Portland event. Um, There's some story about the Girl Scouts of Brewing. Sheila's going to report on that and a fascinating cover story about women in Hollywood in the New York Times magazine. And um, then Liz has a question about a suspicious email she got. But uh, so how was Minnesota, you guys? Uh, go ahead, Liz. Well, I'm just going to say, I know we have a series of events in Oregon this week, and good luck, Oregon, because, uh, and we love Oregon, but it would be hard to have a better time with a warmer, more loving response than we got in Minnesota, wouldn't you say, Sheila? Yes. I mean, to consider that there were no family members in the audience, <laughs> and, and the room 
was completely full at the St. Paul Athletic Club when we arrived. It was really exciting. It was really exciting. Well, when we arrived, it was funny because it was in this room at the St. Paul Athletic Club because subtext books, thank you again very much, subtext, they could sense from the phone traffic they were getting that our people were not going to fit in their adorable little store. So we were in this sort of bar function room at the St. Paul Athletic Club. And when Sheila and I walked in, I would say there were about a dozen women already there, but it was kind of a dimly lit room. And it was kind of, there were little pockets of people here and there. Like they weren't sure we, they were in the right place. We weren't sure we were in the right place, but the moment we walked in, we figured it all out. And then, you know, hilarity ensued. Oh yeah. I mean, they, these people, I mean, these women were in the right place considering a lot of them had been listening to satellite sisters on FM 107 in Minnesota for years so they knew our original show and well even before that they were listening on minnesota public radio so they were going way back to the very beginning of our public radio days so this is our deepest best constituency i think (laughs) yeah no it was a really really great crowd um and i loved being in minnesota just for a touch of the brisk wind you know (laughs) to, to, to just wear my coat my scarves, my boots, just for 48 hours. That's all I needed. And I'm back in California, but it was really, really fun walking around St. Paul with our chaperone, our good friend, our sixth sister, (laughs) Kathy Douglas, who is so much fun to be with. And then, Liz, I mean, we were showered not only with hugs and smiles, but we got actual gifts in Minnesota. <laughs> loot, loot. We got loot. We got loot. Um, we we got chocolates. We got something called chippers, which are chocolate covered potato chips from North Dakota. I mean, do I need to say any more? I mean, <laughs> we got homemade candles. Um, beautiful gift bags from Minnesota. It was just really lovely to go back to my hotel room and see the the personalized gifts and read all the personalized notes that that we got during the book signing. Yeah, yeah. Well, first I want to say a little bit about whipping around both Twin Cities, though, because in the morning on Saturday, we went to not one, not two, but three different Barnes & Nobles to... uh, to sign the books they had there. So we are stocked in all the Barnes and Nobles in that area. So the Harmar Mall, we just like, we got one Uber driver who stuck with us all morning, took us to the Harmar Mall, then the Lake Street Barnes and Noble, and then the Nicolet Mall, which is the downtown Minneapolis, like the main big two-story store. And what I thought was so funny is that, you know, these were all stores that Let's just say they could have had the Satellite Sisters, but they opted not to. And not that we're not grateful for them for stocking the book, but the Nicollet Mall, you guys are not going to believe what they were doing Saturday during the day as an event instead of having the Satellite Sisters. You want to know what their event was? I know because you sent me the classic Liz Dolan text. (laughs) I could hear the sneer in your voice. But go ahead, Liz. Tell the people what they were doing. The noon event at the big store on the the big mall in uh, downtown Minneapolis was adult coloring books. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's what they were doing. They were having an adult coloring event. So, (laughs) Yes. Yes, that hurt. 
That hurt. <laughs> I just, at that point, I went and got another coffee. Now, the good thing about uh, the Barnes & Noble in Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, they all include coffee on the ground level. So you don't have to go up in the escalator. Usually in L.A., I've seen, you know, Barnes & Noble bookstores with the coffee on the second floor. Coffee's on the first floor in, in Minnesota. So I like that. Even you know, if, our, I, I thought even if our book is not on the first floor, <laughs> coffee's on the first floor. Uh, for me, one of the most fun things at the event in St. Paul was that there were so many Satellite Sisters that walked in that I had never met before, but I recognized them immediately because your photos are so familiar from the Facebook group. And so it really makes you realize like how fun it is to be able to have a dialogue on Facebook because there were people that walked in who didn't even need to introduce themselves, which right. is really nice. That's a very, very special link to have, you know, and then there were people who, well, I, it's always dangerous to call out just one or two names, but I think we have to call out Beth because she was wearing not only the classic Satellite Sisters t-shirt, but she had the classic Satellite Sisters hat on. And that means you're like an original, an original. Beth Welshins, that's right. Sue Sue Shaughnessy, Mm -hmm. so many uh, friends from Facebook who showed up. Sally, Sally was at the bar when we got there. I love you, Sally. And you know, what can I say? I, um, I still have not unpacked my suitcase. I'm just keeping it there as a sweet reminder of our trip. It was really great. But um, Monica, I know you're going to be at Port- in Portland. And Leanne, you're going to be in Portland as well? Yeah. Okay, so Monica, I, w- I worked up just a short list for you to remember when you're doing a meetup okay. or when you're doing uh, the book tour. Okay. Um- all right, so the first is drink water, but not too much, okay? Because <laughs> um, you need to stay hydrated, but I am the type, and I know I, I think Leon is too, we need to go to the ladies' room quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, and so- Thanks for Liz, shouting. Thanks for shouting that out. <laughs> Liz, I didn't see you go to the ladies' room all weekend, so I don't know what's up with you. I'm just permanently dehydrated, I guess. And so I just, you know, I needed to keep that balance going because I usually would run to the ladies room right when I got to the meetup or right when the book, uh, the book tour was about to start. So just keep that in balance. Number two, you need to take control of your photo pose. Now, I tried something which didn't work in all of my photos, which is to keep my chin in and down. Just in to, down, in and down. Some people do chin up. I do not. I do not uh, find that flattering for me. So you're going to have a lot of photos taken of you, Monica, a lot of photos. So decide now what you want your photo pose to be. I think that will help. I, I thought yours was very successful, Sheila, because you literally looked like you were, you had not moved and that people just kept shuffling in. It was well, the same face know, in every we photo. Actually, we kind of organized it that way, Leanne, which has, you know, worked really well for us because there were so many people there early. We just got out those signs that Julie's daughter-in-law, Lauren, made, the gorgeous signs. And we said, okay, anyone who wants a photo, over here now. And so Sheila and I just stood in the same place and we changed signs and, you know, sisters and misters jumped in. It was really a lot of fun. And it was great to be able to have that to do before the reading even started because it made things very exciting. 
Yes, but there are going to be a lot of flashes going off, Monica. You got to keep your eyes open and your chin down. Okay. Okay. Um, Number three, hugs are fine. Now, I am a germaphobe. I found hugs better than handshakes because I, I, and these people want to hug you and we have every right to hug them because in a way they're, they are friends. So hugs are fine. I did a lot of hugging. Um, it just seems, uh, handshake just didn't seem, seem enough. And the last tip I'd say, women are independent and sometimes they just want to go to the meetup and drink. Like they may not talk to you. But they may just bell. They just may get a nice glass of wine and and observe you from afar. So don't feel like you have to talk to everybody, Monica. All right. Sometimes they just want to see you, and that's it. Uh huh. Those, those are my tips. Monica, are you still going to come? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I, I, oh yeah. Well, I'll definitely be there. I'll be there on Tuesday. Yeah, we're going to be at the Lucky Lab. Yeah, you our- scouted out the Lucky Lab, right? I scouted out the Lucky Lab. Here's what I would say. It, it, they have large tables. Yeah. Good. Plenty of room for us. It's uh, sort of in an industrial area of Northwest. It's 20th and Quimby. Uh, there are a few parking spaces, a few, I mean like four, Uh at the Lucky Lab, but there's also parking on the street. There's not much going on down there in that little, around those couple of blocks, but it's very large. It's very open. It used to be a warehouse. They have big, long tables. You order beer at the counter. Um, that's it. It's very low key. I think it will be great for our group yes. because people can come and go. There's a lot of tables in there and there's darts. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, with the real dartboard, you know, and darts. Um, so I think that'll be fun. Now I'm a little bit worried. I have to come right after work, so I'm gonna have to, I don't know, buff myself up a little bit before I get there. Uh, so you know, we'll see. I'm fine with the hugs. <laughs> yeah, and I should mention ours is not a reading. It's just no. we're gonna be there. We are happy to sign your books. I understand there's a slight book shortage in Portland, Oregon. So a good problem to have, but not really. Um, I might have a few books tucked in my bag, but you didn't hear that from me. So <laughs> I might have a few books available for sale secretly in the corner, but don't tell anybody. Uh, so that's just so you know. So don't not come because you don't have a book or, you know, make that come on, come on down to the Lucky Lab. All right. Well, that's going to be fun. Those are good, good, uh, good, good tips, Sheila. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And then we're going to be on TV in Portland, Oregon the next day. That's I know, Liam. I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, we have to be on TV. Yeah. What? I don't know anything. We just, the AM Northwest, right? Our folks at AM Northwest inviting us back. So. I had uh, everything thrown in the back of my car yesterday at 7 a.m. leaving Portland. Uh, I've been leaving Santa Monica to drive here. And all of a sudden at the last minute, I was like, ah, I have to be on TV. I, <laughs> I had to run upstairs and like grab a whole new outfit. I had just I had completely forgotten that the whole reason we're really going to Portland was to be on AM Northwest. Right, right. So, that was the plan. Yeah, yeah, that was the plan. So what color are you wearing, Liz? Uh, probably red. Okay, good. I don't wear red. That's not, that's going to be good then. Okay. Or I could be back in the Brooklyn Merlot. Okay. Either one is good for you. Okay. Go ahead. You're good. You're cleared. Those, all clear for those colors. 
Okay. Uh, so we'll see you in Portland, ho- hopefully. Hopefully see you in Portland if you're in, in and around the Portland area. Yeah, Tuesday night, 5 o'clock. We're starting at 5, but we'll be there till 8. <laughs> we should definitely start with water then. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm taking public transportation from my hotel, so just so people know. I'm taking the streetcar to Quimby. It's what I'm doing. <laughs> So, Sheila, you have a story about the Girl Scouts? I, uh, yes, I do, Leanne. Okay, so, the, uh, New York Times this morning, interesting article, funny article. I appreciated this. So, there are five girls in Santa Rosa, California, that want to become Boy Scouts. They are determined to become Boy Scouts. So, they're all in fifth and sixth grade. They call themselves the unicorns. Of course they do because, <laughs> because they're girls, because they're a girl group. And as everybody knows, the Boy Scouts, the Cub Scouts is um, an organization for boys. And it, interestingly, I thought that Title IX actually has an exception. Um, Boy Scouts have an exception written into Title IX, which means they can exclude based on gender. They can exclude based on gender, and they are determined to stay all boys. So these girls have been working on this for about a year, led by one of the mothers, of course. Ella's mother has been pushing for this. And the Girl Scouts are like, hey, just come and join us. You know, we'll have you. And the girls, they, the reasons they, they don't want to be Girl Scouts are pretty funny. Um, they do not appreciate the rest. No, no, get this. The badges, that's why I left Girl Scouts. It was way too competitive for me. Um, they do not appreciate rest time and whispering. <laughs> These are the type of girls that don't want to do that. They instead, they want to play tag and light fires. That's, <laughs> that is basically why they're pushing for this. So their mother got them into this thing called skills building. So this is like a pre-Boy Scouts course you can take. And they got really excited about the skills building. And then they went to something called Camperie, which was like a camp off. Now, I know, Leanne, you were camper of the year at your camp. You bet. Twice. Two years in a row, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You went to an all-girls camp. Yeah, yeah. Would you ever consider at that time in your life thinking, I want to be, I want to compete against boys? Well, I mean, we had competitions against the boys camp, but no, because we had, I mean, we did light fires and play tag. I mean, we, you know, we were like canoeing and doing, doing like outdoor stuff in in Maine. Right, right. I don't really understand that why these girls want to be Boy Scouts. Girl Scouts is a pretty fantastic organization from what I understand, where you can really kind of carve your own path. So I don't know. Well, I, I think reading, you know, between the lines here, it's the mother. The okay. Mother, the mother. <laughs> El- I think you Ella's, want to take a stand on something. I no. think Ella's mother is taking a stand on this. So the girls went to Campery. They got second in the fire building and they, they all felt at this point, they were ready to be Boy Scouts, and they basically wanted to whoop the boys in, in, in this camporee. So uh, long story short, they went to one of the official, you know, meetings, and they went before the Boy Scout court, whatever that was, 
And the Boy Scouts are firm. You know, the, the Boy Scout organization, they are not admitting girls. So these girls are still fighting up in Santa Rosa. Uh, Ella's mom is still hopeful uh, that they will someday soon become official Boy Scouts. But I just thought it was a, just an, just an interesting, um, interesting quest on the part of the mother <laughs> and the girls. <laughs> and, and, and in the history, I mean, I, I've taught school for so many years. I know that girls love to form groups and they are totally, I mean, I, I think the unicorns, could branch off and, and create more unicorn groups. I don't yes, think they, that sounds I, like a good idea. Basically, by fifth or sixth grade, every girl I ever taught was in their own group, which <laughs> they had named, and they had doctrines and rules and separate activities. This is what girls do. So I think the unicorns should, you know, just be themselves and go out there and unicorn power. But um, the Boy Scouts don't want you. And why would you want to be a club, a member of a club that doesn't want you? Seriously. I mean, come on. Yeah. Stay stay noisy, unicorns. Yeah. Yeah, Stay noisy. Yeah. But do your own thing, man. Do your own thing. thing. You don't need need Boy Scouts, man. (laughs) You don't need Boy Scouts. I have so many friends, though, that have their girls have gone through Girl Scouts like all the way through. Like they don't drop out. They go through high school. They have these incredible experiences doing, you know, everything from camping to community service to robotics. I think it's a fantastic organization, the Girl Scouts. I lasted like three weeks in in, in Girl Scouts because our troop did a lot of crafting, which, or uh, then they called it arts and crafts, which I did not enjoy. But, you know, more power to the unicorn, Sheila. You're absolutely right. Well, maybe they can take inspiration from the cover story of the New York Times Magazine this week, which is by um, Maureen Dowd. Cranky Maureen Dowd has written a pretty fascinating story about the women of Hollywood. It's the women of Hollywood speak out. And it's about, like, why can't women get a job in Hollywood in terms of things like directing, writing, producing? And uh, I encourage you, Sheila, particularly to read it. Your daughter is a director and she is going to be stepping into a world where, you know, only 1.9% of all feature films are directed by women. That is disgusting. That's shocking. So 98% of films are directed by men. Okay. And, is- you know, the thing, that, the thing that shocked me the most is the examples they had in that story, because everyone says there are no women in the pipeline, which is... Just not true. It's not true. We should just stop saying that because they had plenty of examples of like young men who made little indie films that were very buzzy at Sundance. Boom. The next thing you know, they're making a $200 million superhero movie. You know, they just get moved up the chain much more quickly and people take chances on them much more easily. And the women who are making the same buzzy films at Sundance are back the next year with another buzzy film at Sundance. And that's it. They never like, they never get the go ahead to take the next step. Well, I would encourage everyone to read the article, you know, particularly if you're a young woman in your 20s or 30s and you think, um, oh, there's no sexism in my workplace. Because the great thing about this piece is there are just all kinds of horrific quotes, actual quotes from Hollywood executives that women have heard in meetings like, you're too attractive for this job or we don't hire people with kids. Well, we don't hire women with kids. You know, they'd hire a male director with kids. It's just one like horrific quote after another. 
And I think the people, the executives in Hollywood just say that stuff because they don't have the same censorship, self-censorship that other industries do. But don't think your boss isn't thinking this, no matter <laughs> what industry you're in. That's what kind of struck me about this article. And they make the point like Hollywood is worse than any other business. It's worse than the U.S. Congress in terms of equality. It's worse than Fortune 500 companies. It's worse than academia, uh, just in terms of the actual numbers of women working. But I think there are a lot of important lessons in there. They talked to some really powerful producers like Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilms. And, uh, you know, she said, I need women to call me and tell me why they want to direct the new Star Wars movie. You know, but that's good advice for almost any career. But it's all it's really an incredibly interesting article because I think you can translate some of the stuff they're talking about to any industry whatsoever. And yeah, Liz, you're right. This idea that like, you know, women can't, women don't want to direct. They can't handle the big feature films. There are all kinds of reasons they come up and come up for it. But it's just this idea that people hire people that look like them. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a lot of male producers, they, they hire the young guy that looks like them in the baseball cap and the blue jean and reminds yeah. them of them. So yeah. it's a super interesting article. It's really well done. She's talked to a million people, Maureen Dowd. She's been working on it for six months. So uh, I think it's fascinating, but I think it's translatable to almost any work environment. And that's what struck me. It was like, this could be anywhere. This could be a bank. This could be a law firm. You know, this, this could be a real estate company. It could really be anywhere. So very yeah. interesting. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've always said the most important thing or one of the most important things in the workplace is having a boss who will take chances on you, uh, because that's effectively what this is, whether it's a Hollywood movie or a promotion in your workplace or look over there, there's a better opportunity. You might want to, you know, jump to a different division of the company. You know, you need people that really believe you can do more than you're currently doing. And so you see this over and over again in the story. And Maureen Dowd, you know, is so smart and so snarky. And right. <laughs> she also, you know, in this story, these are actual things actual people say. I, so it's shocking. It's just uh, she's not even making this stuff up, you know, which is the, the phrase hoist by your own petard comes to mind when you, uh, when you listen to this. So uh, anyway, so that I, I agree. Really, really interesting story to uh, read. Well, talking about breaking the glass ceiling, um, the, I just wanted to put myself out there, something I'm doing this week that will be breaking my own personal glass ceiling. <laughs> I, I'm actually making Thanksgiving dinner this year. And, uh, Monica, Monica will be in attendance. Our brother, Dick, his wife, Susan, Leo and Fiona. So it's a core group. It's just half a dozen people. So, and, uh, I don't know why I just like it's never been appropriate for me to make Thanksgiving dinner before. But this year it seemed like, uh, you know, I'm going to be in my little bungalow in Bend. I got uh, I have furniture there now. It was never appropriate to invite people for dinner before because I didn't have like furniture or dishes or, you know, any any of the basics you would need to actually entertain at home. But um, I'm actually very excited about it. Now, Monica, I know you said that you had some uh, prep work you were doing, and then I'll tell you about mine. Yeah, well, you know what? I've just been thinking about the Thanksgiving prep all week because I know that I'm coming and I want to help out. But the other thing is, I don't know if you guys have noticed, like on the Internet, there's just this proliferation of articles about how to manage Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's everywhere. It's basically like, 
how not to screw up the turkey, the Thanksgiving turkey. They have like lists, the top 10 turkey mistakes, the top 10 gravy mistakes. (laughs) I saw, I read this article in the Wall Street Journal. It was Thanksgiving in three hours or less. How is that possible? What, that's it, like drive to Whole Foods, buy everything and drive home? No, you can do it. It's a big chicken. What do they say, Monica? What do they say? I I was just thinking it's kind of like the Rachel Ray 30-minute Yeah, challenge. Yeah, you can do it. Right. Read into it further. It's three hours at the stove. Oh, so it doesn't. It, it three hours of cooking the meal at the stove. That's three hours or less. It doesn't include the two hours of grocery shopping, the two hours of like prepping the food, or the four and a half hours it takes to cook the turkey. Okay. So I just don't know. Three hours or less. That's a little rough. Then I like the New York Times. They have this interactive feature. <laughs> That is what I have been working with. Liz, thank you. It's yes. A, it's a, Building a feast to please everyone. Yes. So, good. So it's a, it's a website. So they have, you know, they ask a series of questions and then you kind of plug in your group. How many people, how experienced a cook are you, how omnivorous are your guests? Do you want traditional or do you want something new, some newfangled recipes and then when will you begin cooking? So I went to it last night, Liz, and I just, for laughs, I plugged in extremely inexperienced cook and last minute prep. Wow. Okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the confidence. Just to see. No, the to see come up. So this is what came up. You have to spatchcock a turkey. Do you know how I'm to- sorry. What's that? Yes. <laughs> you know, Monica, I saw that. And I thought that seemed like a really good idea, but I don't, I don't want to personally spatchcock it. Like, who, oh, if you get do, some, if you get a spatchcocked turkey, yeah. or you spatchcock it, which seems like that's not really a beginner skill, where you kind of cut the bones, you smash it down, you cut it. I don't know. You make it. Flat. Yeah, that's totally not a beginner skill. Uh, yeah, but I guess if you bought a spatchcock turkey, here's the point: the cookie. Turkey cooks in 45 minutes. So that that is truly last minute. That is truly last minute. But, but you have all day. I don't know why the obsession with how long it takes. So <laughs> as long as you remember to defrost it, I feel like... It's the defrosting in- people yeah. forget to do. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, there's just a lot of dishes. Everyone wants a lot of dishes. So Liz, I, I asked you, I want to make something on Wednesday. I have to stay here in Portland and work. So I wanted to kind of get in on the menu. So I agreed I'm making the cranberry sauce. I make a very nice cranberry pecan loaf, which is a nice bread to have, even maybe not at Thanksgiving dinner, but the next day. Then I'm making the dressing, and I'm going to use the Barefoot Contessa recipe, sausage, green apples, dried cranberries, bread, you know, all the spices. So do you notice the theme here? Cranberries. Cranberries. So I'm I'm bringing three cranberry items and I'm happy that I get to make these things and maybe just free up the kitchen for you a little bit because I know you'll be cooking there on Thursday and I'm all prepared. Um, I do know I was also looking at like various hotlines that are available to us. Of course, there's the Butterball hotline everyone knows about. Do you know Crisco has a pie hotline? 
A pie hotline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in case we have some... You making a pie list? No, I was going to outsource dessert, Liam. Okay. I thought I would outsource that to, uh, you know, Dick and Susan and Leo and Fiona. They like to make fudge and make pies and things, right? Yeah. So I haven't told them that yet, but that's my plan. You should you should <laughs> let them know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, three hours or less. Probably dessert an hour or less. You can find a website for it. Also, Ocean Spray has a hotline for your cranberry needs. So, um so I'm all set. Cranberry sauce, cranberry pecan loaf, and the dressing. I, I'm going to come prepared, Liz, on Thursday. Okay. Thank you. Well, I was I have been reading a lot about Thanksgiving. And one funny detail I read in a story about doing Thanksgiving the Julia Child way, you know, because Julia could pull anything off without too much effort. Do you know, like back in the day, there there was a, a story there from a woman who had Thanksgiving dinner with Julia Child in 1976 and 1977. And because Julia Child's phone number was a listed phone number, people would just call Julia Child. They would like this was before the Butterball Hotline, before wow. the Disco Hotline. People would just like call information. I'd like the number for Julia Child. And didn't she live in Pasadena, Liam? Well, she grew up in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah, she grew up here. But I, you know, then she moved to Paris and everywhere. So yeah, but yeah, she was born there. Yeah, where? Oh, maybe she was in Boston because this yeah, was she the, was in Boston. The woman who is now the food editor of the Boston Globe said, "Yeah, she ate dinner with Julia seventy six and seventy seven, and they were just constantly interrupted by people." calling Julia. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Advice. I know. That's fantastic. That's great. And, the, and she said Julia's whole goal was to make sure that uh, that people didn't freak out about it. So she actually remembers hearing Julia say to someone on the phone who clearly was freaked out, don't worry, turkey is not meant to be eaten hot. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. I had to have that same conversation with my mother-in-law this week. Yeah, she she offered to cook the turkey this year because I don't get home from Portland till 10 o'clock Wednesday night. So we're having a super duper small Thanksgiving. And I'm like, the only thing I can't do is the turkey because I usually do the dry brine. Then it means I need to like rub it down in the fridge for three straight days. So I thought, oh, yeah. I'll buy the turkey. And she's like, no, I'll bring it. But then she was like, well, but then we can't have appetizers because I've just got to rush right over with the turkey and serve it. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> but no. okay. All right. I'm going to quote Julia Child. Okay. Julia Child. There's just no need. Well, okay, Liam. So you have a similar challenge to my challenge because I'm going to get to Bend this afternoon. Yeah. So then I have Sunday afternoon, all day Monday and Tuesday to do the pre-pre-prep. So I don't know. You start to read some of these recipes and it's like, yeah, five days before you work on, you work on the gravy. Well, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, but, but whether it's the marinating or the brining or the prepping, I'm going to be there till Tuesday morning, but then I'll be gone driving to Portland and then coming back. So I'll be gone from Tuesday morning to Wednesday night. Yeah. So anything that is like in the fridge doing whatever it needs to do is fine, but I'm not going to be able to like rub it and right. you know, soothe it and no. do anything that needs to get done. So I, that really cuts back on some of the choices I can make because I'm, it's the three days and then the last 24 hours. I can handle. Honest to goodness, some of the best turkeys I ever cooked were butter balls. You don't have to do anything; just defrost them and then you stick them in. You literally don't even open the door. That's what I've heard. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Okay. So don't. Okay. That's you know, you do have to defrost it, but it'll be fine. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I order. I believe it or not, not only did I order the turkey a month ago from the Good Market in Bend, Newport Market, uh, I realized I don't have a single like. 
I don't have a roasting pan. I don't have a baster. I don't, I don't have any of the other oh. equipment you would need. Yeah. So also a month ago, I went to the Williams-Sonoma in my neighborhood. I just looked at everything, wrote down everything that I thought I would need, and then went home, ordered everything online, and it's been delivered. So, so this afternoon, when I get there, it's going to be like Christmas for me. <laughs> everything I sent myself... <laughs> I sent myself so much stuff over the past month. You know, this summer I decided to like that I needed a real dining room table and good chairs. That's all going to be there when I get there this afternoon. I haven't even seen it. Wow, this is an expensive Thanksgiving you're throwing yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just thought now that I had dining room table and chairs, time to go for it. Ratches it up. Yeah. Yeah. You do need a big carving board. So don't underestimate the size of the carving board. You need a big one for a big bird. All right. Otherwise, well, it's really bird doesn't, It's only six people. You know, the bird doesn't have... Anyway, whatever. So I have I have Sunday afternoon and Monday to, to really get it all um, together. Uh, and then from Wednesday night to Thursday afternoon, I think we're going to be good. So uh, my first ever turkey. My first ever <laughs> okay. Breaking the turkey ceiling. <laughs> take, take some photos, Monty. Take photos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Instagram it. Uh, I'm sure I would just say make sure you have enough wine and that it will be a great Thanksgiving (laughs) so Uh, there you have it okay I will do that I laid in in heavy supplies of cranberry juice yeah Uh, good that's good yeah yeah the wine I figured I'd I'd buy once I get to Oregon because there's all that delicious Oregon wine there good good thinking good thinking well, I know it is the the internet is all about Thanksgiving this week. It's fun to fun to look at. I did I made mom's pate yesterday. So uh, I saw that you posted that. Yeah, yeah. It's always great to make it. It smells it smells like childhood. So I made one for Thanksgiving and one for a party I'm having later in the month. So I'm all set there. It's a very messy proposition, but one you have to do it in one day. It's totally worth it. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. All right. right. Speaking of the internet, I I have a question, an internet question that I just want to put out there. And I think we have a satellite sister, Brooks in Texas, who might be the one that would absolutely know the correct answer to this, but there might be maybe one of you guys knows. I got, I got one of those emails yesterday that you think, huh, is this true or not? You know, where yeah. sometimes they're obviously fake. You can tell from the spelling errors or just the formatting of the message, or they're like, please send us your, uh, all of your security. Personal details. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is not that. This could conceivably really be from AT&T. But I don't know. They always tell you, don't just send stuff off for getting an email. So, Brooks, here's my question. I got an email from AT&T saying that I have to redo my wireless account passcode. Uh, no. Yeah. No, just no. No. That seems okay, thank you. <laughs> that was my, you know, I don't want something to go wrong with my phone, but that just seems like something that the communication would be different. Yeah. Uh, but they've got they they've got the correct AT&T logo. Uh, the color scheme of the email itself is correct. Uh, what else? It looks official in every other way, yeah. except for what they're actually asking me for, which is to reset my passcode. So Brooks or anyone, 
if you know if this is just, <laughs> you can send the answer to info at satellitesisters.com. We will share it with the sisterhood. Is this legit? Uh, is it legit? And they said it's because the previous passcodes were the four digits of your social security number. So they know that's not safe. So they want to switch everyone over to a safer system. I don't know. You guys are all thinking no, right? No. No. I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So so Brooks has weighed in before on AT&T issues, so I'm putting it out there. And Leah, you'll be in in Dallas next week, and I believe she has previously attended some of our Satellite Sisters events. All right. I'll ask her, Liz. I think her job is not communication at this level. I think she has a much higher level job. I know she does. I know. I know. But yeah. Just get, if you get a chance to, you know, if you're just looking for conversation, yeah. you, you could ask her about this resetting your password uh, email. Is that legit or not? All right. anyway, I don't so, think we'll be looking for conversation. Remember, we're going to have light refreshments. Uh, we're going to have nothing but cakes. And I, I'm telling you right now, guess what I bought this week for Dallas? I bought a faux fur poncho. So just <laughs> forget about it. Oh, just forget punch about it. Up. it. Punch it up. <laughs> Just oh, that was a weak moment. It's gonna look good though. I think. <laughs> I think it's gonna look good. Um, that's right. We are gonna be. So we have the event in Portland on Tuesday, and then the following week, uh, Thursday, December third, Julie and I will be at the Barnes and Noble uh, in um, Dallas at Preston Royal Shopping Area at noon Thursday, December third. We're really looking forward to that. And we Julie threw down the challenge. I dare you to come to Dallas, and she's working it. We're working hard, so we're excited for the people that have risen to the challenge. Look, I just am excited to go to Dallas. I love Dallas. And uh, and then we're sort of, we have a few other things for the rest of the month, but um, kind of, oh, we have a couple of other things. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that one, one event yeah. at a time, right? One turkey at a time. <laughs> um, this week, speaking of that, because I'm going to be in Portland, Julie and I will not be doing a Tuesday show, but we do have a couple of really fun encore interviews to post. Um, so I, this week I posted the Tina Brown interview. I don't know if any of you have had a chance to re-listen to it. Yes. Um, yeah. it's a, her converse, we had a conversation with her about her book, the Diana Chronicles, and she's such a fantastic storyteller, Tina Brown. So hearing her talk with this real insider point of view on princess Diana, it's great. It's just, I think it's a great interview. Even if I wasn't in it, I would think it was a great interview. And then coming up this week, I am posting, it's a classic, the JV, the JV team, Sheila Monica and I interviewed Roz Chast, the cartoonist. Oh, who's oh that's a way back. Way yes. back. So incredibly brilliant. She was in the studio with us uh, about her book, The Theory, The Theory of Everything. And um, what's, <laughs> what's, you just have to listen to the interview because it's very funny. And it's very mainly because Sheila and Roz Chas have a lot in common. A lot of <laughs> a lot of the same anxieties about germs or like things hitting them out of the sky and things like that. And so even though the interviewee is Roz Chas, it's really Sheila's show. So it's very funny. And I thought I would post I felt very close to her. And yeah. I have I still have the book that she signed personally to me 
Theories of Everything. I know. It's a great book. And she had that wonderful book uh, last year that won the National Book Award for um, uh, the beautiful book about her parents, her aging parents. And so she's just a brilliant cartoonist. And But the interview is like super funny. I don't know why they let the three of us talk to her. So uh, we're in over our heads, but it's fun. So I'm posting that. And I'm also posting one with Nick Hornby, uh, the writer who wrote High Fidelity, but he also has written the screenplay for Brooklyn, that fantastic movie I saw last week. So it was fun to talk to Nick and we're going to post that. So you'll have plenty to listen to Thanksgiving week while you're cooking or while you're driving or while you're podcasting to Portland. Shout out to our listener who is loading up the podcast and driving five hours to come see us in Portland. Plenty of shows to listen to these Encore interviews. You're the best Encore interviews. All right. Anything else going on with people this week? Well, it's a big week. Thanksgiving. We've covered a lot of of ground. A lot of ground. It's a big week. Okay. uh... See you tomorrow. Yeah. 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 Good luck with your, uh, Monica, remember, uh, get your pose ready. (laughs) (laughs) Liz, you have all the good signs. You're the signs, right? Okay. That'll be fun. Okay. Good Lauren Hinkson signs with us, which Sheila and I discovered, you know, the best part of the signs is they cover up your total midsection. Yes. 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 (laughs) I said that too last week. Yeah. It's fantastic. (laughs) the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and speaking of Minnesota, after the baked potatoes and the, you know, the, the bread and the butter, the delicious, delicious food, it's good to have a sign in front of your midsection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All that wild rice soup right there sitting in your midsection. That is good soup, though. It's worth, mm-hmm. it's worth every it calorie. It is. The, the, t- the TSA tries to seize mine? No way. Yeah. No way. <laughs> Love that soup. All right. Have a happy Thanksgiving, a happy and safe Thanksgiving if you're traveling. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. 